This is the Cigar Snob Podcast. I'm Nick Jimenez. Rick Rodriguez dropped by Cigar Snob headquarters for an interview. Rick is the blender and ambassador at CAO Cigars, the general cigar brand known for products like Flathead and Pilong, among others. Unlike so many other blenders, Rick came into his role from the sales side of the business, so we talked to Rick about how he got his start and what it was like learning to blend with a cigar legend, as well as what's on the horizon for the CAO brand. Before we get into it, a word from our sponsor, Safra Rum. At Cigar Snob Magazine, we know that man cannot live on water alone, which is why we keep a healthy stockpile of Safra Rum at the office. I'm Nick Jimenez, Senior Editor of Cigar Snob Magazine, and I'm here to tell you that every time we crack open a bottle of Safra Rum, we are impressed. In fact, I'm kind of hydrating with Safra Rum right now. It's unlike anything else, in part because of Safra's small batch approach. They use only hand-cut sugarcane and process it into top-grade molasses, distill in column stills, and ferment in a proprietary locally grown yeast. The rum master then ages the virgin rum in carefully selected bourbon oak casks. The end result is a rum masterpiece that's great for top-shelf cocktails, drinking it on the rocks, or even just drinking it neat, which, by the way, is what we did when we paired this in the pages of Cigar Snob magazine with the Oliva Serie B Melanio, but it goes great with just about any cigar. Here's what we had to say about Safra rum. Quote, the rum introduces smooth, honey, caramel, and molasses flavors that start to complement the coffee, chocolate, and spice from the cigar. Safra also received an exceptional 95-point rating from the Beverage Tasting Institute, so we are not the only ones who are crazy about this stuff. It's just another one of their prestigious awards. Ask for Safra Rum at your favorite retailer, restaurant, or bar. Make sure you follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Safra Rum. That's Z-A-F-R-A rum safra rum always drink responsibly and remember that there is no rum without safra now here's my interview with rick rodriguez of cao all right we are here at the cigar snob offices slash podcasting studios joined by rick rodriguez of cao rick thanks for coming oh thank you so much for having me Always fun to uh, to meet up with you. I, I had I personally I don't know about the rest of the team, but I had not seen you since we ran uh, ran this story about uh, actually it was a, a long interview with you and, and Benji yeah. in the May June issue of yeah. the uh, of the print magazine. So uh, just for the sake of, of laying a foundation, you know, we were just talking about how mm-hmm. many of the people who listen to the podcast um, are maybe not as deeply engaged with uh, with the cigar world through through print or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give people like a, a brief primer on uh, who you are, where you came from, okay, and and now what your role looks like at CAO. Okay, uh, uh, my name is Rick, uh, like you said, and I'm from Tampa, born and raised in Tampa, still living in Tampa. Uh, started to work with a General Cigar about uh, 20 years ago, and uh, about 20 years ago, I started as a salesman for General Cigar, uh, working in the north part of Florida, and uh, that included Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and the Panhandle. And then about four years into it, uh, Mr. Coleman, the old owner of General Cigar, approached me, and he said he needed some help. And I said, uh, because I love your company, whatever I can do for you, I will do. He says, uh, we need to prepare for the future, and a lot of our uh, cigar 
blenders or masters are either retiring and leaving us. And so we elected to uh, train you to become a blender. And so that started about 16 years ago. And so I traveled to the, uh, uh, the, the first factory I trained in was in the DR. And then uh, I trained there for about a year. And then uh, after that, I went to uh, Honduras for about a year. And after that, uh, I was trained by Benji uh, for about five years. Yes, and he, Benji, Benji Menendez. Yeah, and that, that our article, you need to read it because that gentleman taught me the art of blending tobaccos. The factories taught me the art to uh, receive tobaccos, ferment, age, row, uh, box, anything that's going on in the factories. But Benji really taught me the art of putting tobaccos together. Yeah. So what, t- talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like um, to to get that kind of opportunity where, you know, you because you, you start as a, as a sales rep mm-hmm. and and then you end up on the blending side. So you sort of transition from the sales to the production and, and, and you might call it the more creative uh, creative side of and, and the, of the tobacco process, of right. the, the cigar making process. Um, talk a bit about what it's like to have uh, that personal relationship with a master like Benji inside of a company the size of, of General. Because I think a lot of people might see General from the outside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and think that that sort of thing isn't happening, right? Yeah. You, you sort of have this really big sort of corporate picture. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for, for people who don't know, General um, owns a, uh, or distributes at least a, a lot of the brands that you see in cigar shops like... Uh, uh, Macanudo, uh, Cohiba, Particus, exactly. uh, La Gloria, uh, Excalibur, uh, Punch, of course, uh, CEO. Yeah. So, you know, to be a part of this really small group of people that uh, blends uh, cigars together is an honor. And uh, to be able to work alongside Benji, uh, a master like Benji, Benji's education comes from Cuba. His grandfather started... Uh, the uh, company in Cuba called uh, H. Hutman. So all that history, all this lessons that his grandfather taught his father, that taught him, has been passed to me. So how do you thank somebody, uh, somebody or some company, to give you the opportunity to do something that you could never dream of, especially when I was starting with General Cigar as a rep? Uh, but uh, right now, I just w- don't want to screw up. Yeah, and it's uh, great. Yeah. You, you mentioned H. I mean, it's it's not just that he's a master; it's that he comes from this line. Yeah, it's, it's like, amazing. It's like it's like uh, you know, learning politics from a Kennedy or something. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so that is an honor for me. And so, all I want to do is do my job, work with my team, uh, work with the, the factories, and produce what we think the fans of CEO want. And if anybody out there has not tried a CEO lately, try it. Because you can look at a big company and think to yourself, they don't care. I believe I have to work harder because I have to overcome that stigma that you don't care. So, right. uh, you know, I, I think any manufacturer that you come across today are doing two things. They're trying to give you the best product that they can and the best product that they believe in. Not, you know, it does, it's not different for me to anybody make a cigar. So it's yeah. just an honor to do what I do. So how would you characterize uh, CAO in terms of the, the identity of the brand? Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, I, I know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of like motorcycle imagery. That, where does that come from? And, 
And in terms of the profile, like, is there is there sort of a CAO wheelhouse that somebody who has not been exposed to the brand should be aware of? No, you know, uh, if you look at the DNA of uh, CAO, uh, what you'll find out uh, when you really dig deep, deep, is a company that was formed on offering something new to you. That can be a blend, that can be packaging, but what we're really known for was introducing unique tobaccos from around the world. Very uh, One of the first uh, people to use were Brazilian tobacco. Uh, one of the first piece, uh, uh, companies to use uh, tobacco from Italy. Uh, so that is the DNA of a CAO. And so the beauty of working on a CAO cigar versus like maybe a La Gloria cigar, I'm not tied into a corner called, you know, your, your history is tied to Cuba. And so you can't do some wild things, but for CEO, it's a blank canvas every time we approach making this a new cigar. Yeah. So my job really is to be a part of a team that blends cigars, but really my, my focus is understanding what the fans of CEO wants for me. And I do that when I do about 175 to 225 events a year. And so just talking to the fans and say, what do you want from us? What do you think we're doing right? What do you think we're doing wrong? And they'll share what they they, they think you're doing right or wrong. What's some of the most surprising uh, feedback that you've gotten from smokers and doing those events? And uh, do you remember any one conversation that actually translated into some kind of – Something, even if it's a little detail in the product side, I to me it's just they're 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 all different, but they're the same. Uh, they're just starving for knowledge. So anything that I can open that doorway up and to begin to talk about what we do in the factories really uh, uh, helps us. So that's the reason I we name one cigar called Pallone. Uh, that was just a doorway because I knew that everybody's going to come up to me. Why Pallone? What does that mean? Oh, let me tell you. It's a fermentation area of this factory. So it just opens doorways up. So if I can do anything and if I can do my job right, it's very uh, simple. Go out there, share these great stories about why, how, and when we do uh, these cigars. And so uh, to pull out one guy... The the guys that kind of stump me are the guys that ask me questions about the uh, the farming. Okay. Uh, because you know, at the end of the day, uh, one guy uh, I remember one guy in Cincinnati uh, came up to me, and uh, we had a of a seminar, maybe a hundred people, and uh, the question was, which side of the mountain do you guys want <laughs> to grow your tobacco on? The side that has the sunset, the sun first. Are the other side that has the sun afternoon. So that is a great question for a farmer. The next time you see a farmer, yeah. ask him because we don't farm. General Cigar doesn't farm. We receive tobacco. We trust our tobacco buyer. We trust the partnerships with the tobacco growers to give us the great tobaccos that they're growing. So it's the, you know when you approach somebody up in the cigar business, make sure that your questions are geared to what they do in the uh, or their job and so mine is more about uh what we do in the factories if you want to ask uh, me about a, a farming question next sure sure 
So um, speaking of what you do in the factory, let's talk a little bit about uh, what we're smoking. Right? Are we smoking the same thing? Yeah, we're, I think we're smoking the uh, Amazon Basin. That's right. Yeah, so we're smoking the Amazon Basin for uh, for those who are interested in these details. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pulling this from the uh, CAO website, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you'll know sometimes the websites have it wrong. Right. Um, it's got an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. The yes. binder is Nicaraguan, and fillers from the Dominican Republic, Colombia, and Brazilian Braganca. Is that Braganca? Bro, yeah, bro. Yeah. That's great. Yes. Hey, man. Yeah, yeah. Benefits of uh, yeah. Cuban upbringing. Yeah. Right? It's almost, you can kind of <laughs> get the Portuguese. But uh, um, very unique uh, tobacco. Yeah. Uh, that's very unique. Uh, it's a great story. It's kind of long. I try to shorten it. Uh, we've received a tobacco, uh, this for Amazon Basin. Well, if you look at the Amazon Basin trilogy right now, we have the Amazon Basin, we have a Fuma, and then we have the Anaconda. Uh, so we're smoking the first of the Amazon, uh, trilogy. This is the Amazon Basin. And this tobacco was kind of, uh, kicked around for years in, uh, Brazil, uh, because nobody knew how to work with the tobacco. Uh, the tobacco we receive is unlike any tobaccos that we ever receive. It's in a tube. It looks like a tube about five t- feet long, about the thickness of a big baseball bat. Yeah. And so uh, we, when we received it, how do you work with this? What does it taste like? Uh, how does it burn? And so that just that alone was a kind of interesting t- to us. But to get our hands of the tobacco, they only grow it. We found out every three years. Now, they can grow this tobacco every year, but the reason that we're growing it every three years because the local Indians were using it to chew. So they uh, had enough tobacco harvest that uh, it'll last for three years. And so now we're creating kind of, they're growing it every year, but we can only receive about uh, 5,000, 6,000 pounds at a time yeah. uh, every year so we can only produce about 50 to 60,000 uh, boxes every year. So you mentioned it being rolled up in about the size of a mm-hmm. baseball but mm-hmm. is is that how similar or different is that from the anduyo uh, process? Okay, yeah, uh, the kind of difference because when you look at the other tobacco and the anduyo it's a rope tobacco. It's right. a long, maybe the same thickness, but now you're looking at uh, 15, 20 feet long that we rope it up. It looks like uh, somebody, uh, if you ever saw a big uh, kind of ship or a cruise uh, ship come in and that thick rope, it looks like that. So yeah. that to me is spicy tobacco. And the Fuma, I mean the uh, Amazon Basin tobacco is more sweet tobacco yeah. because of the way they ferment the tobacco. They bury this tobacco under a tree that produces a very sweet fruit, but uh, we discovered by being told is very poisonous. So okay. if you eat it from the tree, you die. But if you allow, allow it to work with the tobacco, because they bury it about four to five uh, feet down, by the time that uh, that flavoring that they think that the sweetness comes from interacts with all the poison is washed out by the soil. So if they can right. chew it and smoke, I mean, chew it and swallow it, right. we can smoke it. And I have no complaints 
So far, yeah, so. Nobody's dropped dead. No. <laughs> and I smoked a lot of these cigars already. But it's really uh, unique. Uh, all the way from the uh, the band. The band is from, uh, yeah. you know, made from tobacco. So you can, you know, sn- uh, smoke through it or you can simply take it off. Yeah. And that's consistent all the way through all these, uh, this this family of cigars. is you mm-hmm. know, different, different configurations of that. Exactly. Of that exactly. tobacco band. Yep. But, uh, you know, it gives it a sort of uh, uh, rustic... Kind of rainforesty right. look to it, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so, what else do you have coming down the pike? As far as uh, you know, what, uh, we have a, uh, a cigar that we're going to launch at the trade show that year. Uh, if you look at uh, you know see uh, what we did, the marketing team was. Uh, great in creating uh, boxes for CEO. So we have New Age, we have Flavor Cigar, uh, we have World uh, Line. So in the World Line, we have right now America, we have uh, uh, the Italia, uh, we have the uh, the Brasilia, and now we're going to introduce uh, for the first time the Nicaragua. And so that's going to be released. Uh, and then uh, I just released about uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a new cigar called Zocalo. And that was okay, cigar right. was uh, released uh, to showcase the wrapper for, for for us. The first time we ever used a wrapper from Mexico. And so we released that uh, for Cinco de Mayo. And so far it's been a great hit. And if we think the feedback has been uh, are going to be positive, we may introduce that as a full line in 2021, 2022. Oh, okay. Right now we're locked and loaded for 2019 and possibly uh, started to work on 2020 already too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's uh, already, you know, planning way in advance with some of the new stuff. You have to because yeah. – you have to, uh, you know, uh, talk to your farmers, make right. sure that the tobacco is ready. So we're always uh, kind of jumping forward two or three years in the future and hoping that uh, whatever, would, whoever releasing a new cigar, the palate of two or three years ago are still the same thing. So we're always taking tra- a chance, but I think it, it works for everybody. Absolutely. So uh, just jumping back to the to the Amazon Basin that we're smoking, you know, you mentioned that it has a certain sweetness to it, which uh, absolutely comes through, uh, even in spite of the fact that we're drinking this ultra sweet Cuban coffee. Right, so right, right. The, the the tobacco still, you know, is not overpowered by no. the, the the heavy sugary right. uh, coffee. What are some uh, some other things that you might suggest pairing with this? You know what. Um First, try the cigar. Uh, if you can't find it, uh, seek it out and try it because what you'll discover is it is so unique, so different. Uh, every manufacturer has a cigar like whatever. So if you come to one of my events and say, I am really digging Rocky Patel's XYZ, in my library of uh, cigars, I have something like that. Something going to give you that maybe that a spicy flavor that you're seeking out, the body you're seeking out. But this cigar is so unique, so different. Uh, it's just something you, as a cigar lover or a cigar smoker, you should try and make your own decision if you like it or not. But uh, to me, kind of spicy the beginning, and it's going to mellow out, and all, you, all of a sudden you're going to have the sweetness to it. And that sweetness to me equals a raisinous flavor. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, guy, again, when you're smoking a cigar, and if you're enjoying it, and if you taste marshmallows, 
good for you. If you like that cigar, who am me to go to you and say, what do you think about my cigar? Well, Ricky, I think it tastes like marshmallow. Uh, do you like it? I love it. Perfect. Perfect. Because I got fried chicken. We don't care. We don't care what you taste. When I taste cigars, I taste spice. I taste earth. I sometimes taste uh, coffee, sweetness. But when we get to the second, third level of flavors like nutmeg and chocolate, I don't. I just understand. I enjoy the cigar. It's good tobacco, bad tobacco. Yeah. It's, up, uh, it's up to you. Yeah. It's really it's up to you. So speaking of that, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how uh, in the case of CAO, CAO is kind of, you know, that that one of those corners of, of general where a lot of the more creative, adventurous mm-hmm. stuff happens. How do you balance as a, as a blender uh, doing something different and taking some of those risks with also the fact that you're not just blending for yourself, right? I mean, the... You're, oh yeah, you, yeah. You, people have to buy the cigar. They've got right, to right, enjoy right, it. So, right. where how, how do you navigate that process? And are there are there people that you run some of these maybe like uh, test blends through, or how how does that work uh, in in your case in particular? You know what? Uh, there's two ways that a CEO can come up with a new cigar. Uh, the my favorite way is when I go on my tour for six months, eight months, and then sit down with a marketing. A director of a CEO and say, I heard uh, from the fans that they want more sweetness. They want less body. They want more spice. And that works about uh, one out of three times. The other two times, the company is going to come to me and say, you know what? We have not made a mild cigar lately. Or we need to concentrate on making a world blend. So all you need to do is give me a target. I take that target to the factory, work with my team, Mm -hmm. where there's about uh, five of us that works together, and then we'll place this target on the wall and say, okay, let's start to blend and see if we can come close to that target. Sometimes it's a bullseye. Sometimes it's a little bit outside of the red. Sometimes you just missed a mark. And so you just try and try. So typically uh, they'll give us about anywhere from six months to a year to work on the new blend. And so if that blend is a small batch, we can get more crazy because the investment is not that big. When you're doing a a launch for a a full timeline, you really need to be careful. Do your research Talk to your fans and see what they want from me because they'll help you yeah. uh, make that decision uh, because they are very vocal uh, what they want from their companies. So does, does any blend stand out as having been uh, especially challenging or difficult to, to arrive at? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's was a great. There, was yeah, there one that great. you had to like really work at, or like go back and forth, and well, I'll tell you uh, two quick stories. One was the how uh, Flathead came about, and Flathead right now is the number one selling cigar for CEO. It just took over two years ago, Brasilia, and Brasilia was the number one selling cigar for the last uh, fifteen years. Uh, so. Uh, but that cigar came about when we were working for nine months a, on a cigar that marketing wanted us to create. And I didn't like the tobaccos that they wanted me to use. I didn't like their presentation. The word, the name, 
anything, but my job is to create. So I worked hard on this, but at the end of the day, uh, I remember calling the uh, uh, vice president of marketing and said, we don't have it. We don't have it. Or we're not even close. So no cigars for this trade show. I got a call from the president of the company and said, Ricky, if you don't have a cigar ready in, in a week, you have no cigars uh, being launched. And so Flathead came about in less than three days because we're so focused, so concentrated. And we only blended about three blends before we said, bingo, this is one. Yeah. And so that one was really crazy off to me because we buried a cigar that uh, we worked for, uh, on for over a half a year. And we didn't believe in it. And we're never going to rush something that the factories are, I don't believe it, just to make somebody happy. Right. And so we pulled that. So that's number one. Number two is Columbia. Um, Rocky Patel got in my head because I was uh, in uh, Nicaragua one day. He says, uh, what are you doing here? Because your factory, your workout is in Honduras. As I'm looking at some new tobacco from Colombia. And Rocky says, oh, my God. I just taste that uh, tobacco. I hate it. I just don't like it. I don't think that we can work with it. I pass on it. So that was on in my head. So when I started to smoke a Fuma, and a Fuma is a little piece of uh, a, a little cigar made from that tobacco only. Right. So it's, it's the way you taste it. Is it sweet, spicy, full body, or whatever? So I chase it. I don't like it. And so I reported back, I don't want to work with it. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to work with it. We bought it, and you have to deal with it. Today, uh, and I struggled with that cigar, blending that cigar. Today is one of my favorite blends uh, that I created, or we created. Yeah. And so it can turn on you. And so uh, never judge the book by its cover, or never let somebody enter your brain and say to you, what are you smoking? Oh, I hate that cigar. And all of a sudden, you're like, you don't like it. Make your own decisions. And then, so, Rocky, I love you to death, but I'm never going to listen to you again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he's a great guy. But uh, those are two cigars that really uh, come to mind, that uh, the struggles to have a cigar that we didn't like, bury it, and one that uh, we didn't like the tobacco at first and love it uh, now. Got it, got it. So, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about about your traveling. Have, have you... Uh, you know, a, a lot of what we do in the magazine is uh, is travel content and recommendations of bars and restaurants mm-hmm. and cigar mm-hmm. lounges. Um, in the last maybe six months or so, are there places that stand out to you that, hey, you know, if if you're in this town, you got to drop by such and such a place? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm a sucker for the smaller kind of cities, uh, Nashville. I just love Nashville. Not only is it a home of CEO. But uh, Nashville is kind of cool, very open uh, cigars uh, to cigars. Uh, so uh, Nashville uh, really enjoyed my trip to, um, uh, you know what, uh, Houston. I'm not a big fan of, you know, uh, large cities, but Houston and Chicago. Even then, you know, even though uh, Chicago is kind of hard to smoke, uh, but when you yep. find that fl- place, there the, are just great people in those shops. So let's let's do this for Houston mm-hmm. and Chicago. Mm-hmm. If you have one day in Chicago mm-hmm. and one day in Houston, where are you eating, smoking, and drinking? Maybe okay. Uh, in uh, Houston, I will go to eat at 
there's a uh, uh, a fish house called Jimmy G's. Uh, okay. Jimmy G's. Uh, I, I love that place. So I'll definitely, when I fly in there, I'll eat there. And then I'll go to um, Ron's place, the um, uh, Superior. Uh, uh, serious. Serious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's one by the... Uh, uh, by the airport, uh, great uh, shop. So those are the places I would go to use it. Chicago, any steakhouse I can get my hands on. Uh, and then 88. Uh, 88 is uh, outside of uh, uh, Chicago. Uh, but the owners, uh, if you're downtown, go to High Park. There's a, uh, uh, a cigar shop in High Park, Chicago. Excellent. Excellent. The owners are just sweethearts. And if you let these guys know you're not local, They'll just pull out their red carpet for you. And uh, matter of fact, I've saw people, the owners get uh, somebody up out of their seat to let the new guy sit down. And so uh, I would definitely visit those uh, places. Yeah. So we've got the uh, the trade show coming up in in Vegas, which mm-hmm. we all know probably a little too well from mm-hmm. from you know making that trip every year. Uh, any places that you that you make sure to try to to pop into when you're over there? You know, uh, uh, Vegas is Vegas. Uh, I, you know, uh, uh, now he, because when we get to, for me, when I get to this trade show, it's eight o'clock in the morning out on the floor having meetings. And then I leave the trade floor about seven, uh, shower, uh, shower and, uh, go out to dinner and back to my room. So, you know what? It's amazing to me that I have been, Literally all over the world, yeah. But I'll only see that place through the eyes of either a convention center, yeah, or the shop. And so right. it's hard for me because uh, when I'm doing my job, I'm not there to enjoy myself. Well, I do, but I'm not there to uh, sightsee. I am there to work and all that. So, and if you're doing any sightseeing, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever you got to be meeting with. Yes, and yes, all that, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So. Uh, which, if if you have to have that be the way you get to know a town through work, the cigar industry is the 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 industry to do it in for sure. You know, it, it, it's these little <laughs> things uh, do open doors that you can't even imagine. It's amazing the yeah. power of cigars and uh, you know finding a friend, uh, uh, getting you in somewhere. It's, uh, it's just amazing the power of uh, the cigars yeah. uh, because cigar. Uh, I think the cigars bring people together right and uh i'm not saying that the pipe guy cigarette guy are loners but uh i've never seen a group of uh people 30 50 uh people say we're uh, marlboro is uh lighting some cigarette uh cigarettes tonight you want to go right now but uh, cigar guys they'll go it's amazing and i want to thank everybody anybody that uh, goes from their busy schedule to go to an event Regardless, is mine or anybody else, thank you. Because we know your time is very valuable for you to take the opportunity to come to an event, to us to be able to share the cigar with you, talk about the cigar, really helps us and really means a lot to us. Anybody, anybody that does that for us. So let's go through just a, a couple of, uh, a few questions that we that we okay. like to ask a lot of different people inside and outside of the cigar industry. Can you remember your first cigar? Uh, yes, uh, A58 by Fuente, because I'm Tampa. Right. Uh, so uh, it was maybe 1984, 83, and uh, started to smoke uh, cigars just to be, 
look cool uh, because everybody in Tampa was smoking cigars back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I kind of great, gave it up and started again when I uh, had my first and only child. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little yeah. celebration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. so that uh, I would be uh, my first cigar and still one of my favorite cigars yeah. on the market. So inside and outside of the industry, mm-hmm. who are, I'll ask you for one each, but if you, for political reasons, you want to name more than one, who are the most interesting people that you've ever smoked with? Hmm. Uh, uh, inside, uh, Mr. Coleman and Benji Menendez in okay. New York City and, uh, when I was offered uh, the opportunity to start what I do today. Yeah. Uh, that for people was, who don't know, because I, I think uh, Mr. Coleman is somebody who, who people maybe are not as familiar with, especially casual smokers. Right. Tell people who that is. Uh, Mr. Coleman was the gentleman that started General Cigar, and mm-hmm. uh, he started in 1968 uh, with a, uh, a, a factory in Jamaica. Matter of fact, uh, the guy that opened that factory up for him was Benji. And so, uh, and that cigar company was basically uh, Jamaica Royal, but his first cigar that he introduced to the market was Macanoodle. Right. And so, uh, but uh, Mr. Coleman's history in tobacco goes back generations because his grandfather started a little company called Philip Morris. And so you can see where the money comes. Yeah. But uh, Mr. Coleman's love for uh, the, uh, the tobacco, the cigar business, uh, for his people, was unmatched, unmatched. So those two guys, definitely. Outside, um, I had an opportunity to smoke with uh, some great people. Uh, maybe one of the coolest uh, dudes was Usher. Uh, oh, really, I did an event with Usher, uh, and uh, I thought Usher was just you know going to treat me by, like uh, the beer guy there and the uh, liquor guy that was there, the servant. He was just into it. He sat me down one-on-one in this VIP club, and it was on like he sat me down for over an hour and say, why do you do this? How do you do this? It was so interesting wow. that this guy has such love for this product. So one of the, those, those are the guys that really step out right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned him. I, I think there's a... A certain set of uh, of professions where uh, I think cigar smokers are a disproportionately large, you know, at least there are more cigar smokers than in the general population. Right. Mm-hmm. And music is definitely one of them. I don't right. know if it's because they have a sense of that creativity and and that process, or because uh, you see the same thing with chefs, right? Um, but yeah, very cool. So an yeah. hour in the VIP talking tobacco with Usher. That's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Um, it, it, I, I remember when I was uh, going to L.A., my wife could not get off and, uh, you know, maybe you'll meet him. And uh, when she found out, I not only met him, but yeah. really talked to him. It was and I think I saw him about two or three years later and he came up to me and said, Ricky, all right, this gentleman meets a lot of people. And for him to remember that right. moment, that yeah. hour, that really took me by surprise. And so uh, I don't know if Usher is still making music. I don't care. Uh, if you ever <laughs> t- get a chance to meet this guy, is a, a sweetheart, uh, meet him because he's just a regular guy. He really is. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, with that, then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up and let wow. you go on about the the rest of your what I'm sure is a busy day. Right. Thank you. So uh, thanks for coming by again. We've been. 
sitting with Rick Rodriguez of CAO, smoking Amazon Basin, uh, which I'm a little less than halfway into, but is as good as when we first lit it. It's got that that really nice sweetness, and the size is great because the smoke is cool enough for you to appreciate right. that. Very good, man. Awesome stuff. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thanks to Rick for taking the time to do that interview. As always, thank you for listening to the Cigar Snob Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Rate and review us while you're there. You can also find episodes of the podcast at cigarsnobmag.com slash podcast. Share this episode with friends and fellow smokers who you think might be interested in Rick's story. The next episode of the podcast will be out very soon. You'll hear Cigar Snob's team talk about some of the latest cigar news, FDA regulation, and cigars that we blended ourselves at Davidoff in the Dominican Republic. If you're a social media person, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cigar Snob Mag. Finally, make sure to send any feedback, questions, or comments to feedback at CigarSnobMag.com. We might just respond to you here in the podcast or in the pages of Cigar Snob Magazine. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick Jimenez, and this is the Cigar Snob Podcast. Cigar Snob.